0: Welcome to The Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for The Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello everybody, this is Trent Russell and this is the audit podcast, sort of anyway, for this week. So this week as the guest, we have Dave Hill. He's been on the show before and Dave is the CEO at Swap Internal Audit Services over in the UK. And in continuing our recognition of the 2022 Beacon Award winners that are recognized by the former CEO and president of the IIA, Richard Chambers, we have Dave Hill, again, sort of. Um, so Dave and I were on an episode of the Audit 15 Fun podcast, which is hosted by John Tabor, where, John picks a question or a topic and then says, basically, it's it's a debate of sorts, or as John calls it, a duel. And so Dave took one side of the topic, I took the other side of the topic, and we, whether we even agreed with our own side or not, we argued our side for it being right. And so since Dave and I had done this a few weeks back, we thought it'd be good as part of dave's beacon award recognition to replay that episode and so that's what we have for you today here we go welcome to the audit 15 fund podcast my goal with this
1: podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days today we have another audit duel and the topic of the duel is if you had all the resources that you could to build your internal audit department, how would you go about doing that? And to discuss and debate this topic, we have the honor to have as our guests Trent Russell, he's the founder of Green Skies Analytics and host of the Audit Podcast, and David Hill, CEO of Swap Internal Audit Services. So, for the benefit of the audience, really quick here, overview of the debate: three minutes, opening statements. Trent will go first. David will go second, and then three minutes for their responses and two minutes for their closing remarks. With that said, Trent, your
0: time starts now. Excellent. Thank you. So as the data analytics or tech guy, I would 100% put those resources towards tech, AI, and data, RPA, et cetera. And a lot of that comes from not only like tech background, and maybe it's because when I talk to CAEs and audit leaders, it's mostly about data analytics and their program, et cetera. But the years ago, someone said, I, I basically said, Hey, what do you like? What do you actually want? And they said, I want to walk in, I want a 50 inch screen, and I want blinking lights. You know, I want continuous monitoring over the entire organization. I want to walk in, see this red blinking light, and go, All right, let's go audit that thing today. And so I think having something like that would be extremely powerful and you would really be able to limit the amount of auditors that you would actually need. And I almost envision, like the more I dream about this and, and think about the question and the possibilities of like, walking in and going, all right, guys, we, uh, we don't have any red blinking lights today. Everything's green. Take the day off. Like there, we have no risks. There's nothing to look at. Uh, so that's that's kind of the dream. But to do that, we really need, like, I think about the people, you would have to hire some people to build some of this uh, to a degree. And so I would 100% hire a bunch of data engineers. So for those people that don't know, data engineers are the ones that go and pull, you know, if you've got data all over the place, it's not clean. Um, it's duplicated across multiple uh, systems. And so they're, they're the ones that really get it into a very nice, clean format. So effectively, you have it, we'll just say, in Excel. And then once it's there, throw it in a pivot table, you can figure something out. Um, but I'd have a lot of engineers, a lot of data analysts, obviously, um, a lot of data scientists, and then some RPA experts also that could help automate the, you know, documentation retrieval, do OCR on PDFs to pull out the, you know, scan the text and put it into a text. So it could then be analyzed. And then with that, so we've got this 50 inch blinking light screen, there's obviously regulatory issues or things in the news that we need to be aware of also. So using analytics to analyze the text that's publicly available and go, you know, ESG is a thing now, you know, and, and even using that to go, here's what ESG, maybe regulations are, what are ours, hey, system, do the comparison, tell us where we're falling short, where we have gaps, et cetera, and being able to address it that way. And even if you don't have the, the The people to build those types of systems, the advances in technology and specifically I'm talking about audit technology has been huge. And even if you think, I think the three of us have been around long enough, you might remember yeah, what, what audit audit management systems looked like 15, 20 years ago compared to what they are now significantly better. Yeah. Um, And there's other tools that are built specific to an ERP, you just plug those things in, you know? And so you have this list of 300 analytics tests, you just plug it into your system and it spits out the answer for you. Um, I often say, give the analogy of, if you tried to build a website 20 years ago, you'd have to type in, I want this picture to go right here. And you'd have to adjust it and look at it and see if that's right. Now you can just drag and drop a picture onto your website uh, development tool and it puts it there. And that's how tools have evolved for analytics also is it, it's that easy. And so my final thought is once you have that built, you don't have to replace it. You don't have to fire it. You don't have to worry about its benefits. If it leaves, that's totally fine. Whereas with people, especially now, a lot of people are on the move. They're hard to replace, et cetera. So if you have it built
2: on tech, you don't have to worry about that as much.
1: David, your opening
2: remarks? Yeah, thanks, Trent, for listening to that as usual. Uh, And I agree, technology is really important. Um, But I think I would build a team in a different way. But I do accept it would depend on the the tech maturity of the organization and the internal audit thing. So I'd want to know what the organization wanted from internal audits, the areas within its remix of what we auditing. And I'd want to understand the size and complexity of the organization, the strategic risks, the culture, and then put forward a plan and potential structure for approval. So, and even if I was an existing team in place at the new CAE, I would still want to go to those steps. And the above would then allow me to you know, decide what skills I would need in the team. Uh, now, clearly certifications or qualifications play a part in any selection criteria, but I would be looking for other personal attributes moving forward. So my focus has always been my number one target is the well-being of a team. Number one, comes, number one well-being comes first for me about everything. Happy team, better performance, better outcomes, and better relationships. So if you have a chance to build a team from scratch, you have the opportunity to get the individuals who have the personalities and attributes to achieve that target. So I would be looking for individuals that have a certain set of skills, a bit like Liam Neeson would say, um, I'd also refer back to the trilogy of book by Richard Chambers and refer to his latest book about agents of change. Uh, and by the way, I'm not on commission. Um, but interesting insights, you know, these include verbal, non-verbal communication skills. To help build strong relationships um, within the team and within the stakeholders, listening skills to demonstrate that you respect others', I- others ideas uh, and you care about other perspectives. Networking skills, you know, that's a key for me. The ability to share ideas, innovate, collaborate with and outside of your team, and stop reinventing the wheel. And to that list, we could have team building skills, empathy, and emotional intelligence. But we also need individuals who have the ability to transform their mindsets to thrive in that area that the champ was just talking about, you know, fast paced dynamic, unrelenting, um, and then the ability to acknowledge our own shortcomings and, and, you know, commitment to improve them. And also it adds to that the additional ability in recognizing that others might just be better at certain things and that's okay. Uh, and finally, final two things, the ability to let go of outdated processes and accept new ways of thinking. And for me, that's not just members of your team. It's that ability to use communication skills, almost the art of the cell in getting stakeholders to accept new ways of doing things. And of course, finally, the ability and willingness to embrace technology, which Trent was talking about. That almost goes without saying, because so that's my opening statement, John and Trent. Verbal, nonverbal verbal communication, okay. listening,
1: networking, ability to transform. Trent, your response to that?
0: So I told John and Dave before we started that I was going to be typing as Dave was talking, and I didn't want to think I was being rude or disrespectful, but to drive home the point of the power of tech, we basically could have done this entire thing without me. So we could have used chat GPT, taken the format of the questions. Uh, I could have given my quick stance on tech over people. It was spit out an answer. We could have read that. So what I did before we got on Is I put a prompt into chat that said, I'm on a podcast right now, arguing with another guest named Dave about how technology, AI and data are better than humans for building, I said, a business internal audit department. Dave's arguments for, and so I had that blank. And then as Dave was going, I started to type, you know, type those um, arguments for, I started typing those out. And so then after that, I said, can you chat Can you write a three short sentences for what my response to Dave should be so that I win the argument? I haven't read this yet. I just saw that it put out an output and it's relatively short. So, uh, give me a, uh, give me a minute here. So this is the response while people undoubtedly possess valuable skills and understanding technology, AI and data offer unparalleled scalability, efficiency, and precision, enabling businesses, internal departments to reach wider audience and make data driven decisions for optimal outcomes, embracing Tech, AI, and data doesn't diminish the importance of human input. Rather, it complements human judgment by providing data driven insights that can inform and enhance decision making processes, which I think, Dave, uh, you kind of made that point. And then, leveraging tech, AI, and data empowers businesses to tap into the full potential of human capabilities as these tools can handle repetitive tasks, process vast amounts of information, and assist individuals in focusing on creative problem solving and higher value tasks that truly drive innovation and growth. And so I was just thinking we could have had this, you know, debate via chat GPT, which John, that might be a, a segment for you to do later there on. Are you go. Argue with chat GPT? But um, I think the the thing that, that I heard from Dave really in using the two is where uh, the people side of it is being able to see change that's coming and being able to um, make changes to basically understanding where the risks are or I always like to talk about opportunities as well with an internal audit. And so that, that was a, one of the key things that kind of stuck out to me. So there's my slash chat GPT response.
2: Fantastic, Trent. Joint response. Chat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um But I, I, I recall a story going back to 2016 when I was at New York conference and I was speaking to a, a colleague there and he said that, Every three years in his organization, he'd have to order each function. And what he would do is he would, he would go in there and he would get all of their data, regardless of what it was, he'd get all their data and he'd run it through his data analytics software uh, and he'd basically come back and he often finds he findings. So when he, he went to an initial meeting, rather than just listen, he had insights in front of him with the data that exposed some, you know, potentially serious failings in the internal control framework. So. I sort of stepped back and thought, I'm actually quite amazed about that, that the way you've done that. And I thought well, that's my key takeaway from the conference. But when I got back, reality dawned on me, that um, he was auditing an organization that knew its data. They knew what they were collecting the data for and why. Um, and the internal team were really mature in terms of way data analytics. Now back to my world, my real world, you know, many audit teams aren't even using data, let alone check GTP and all that stuff. So, you know. And we're finding that organizations holding data, sometimes they don't know why they've got that data. Sometimes there's gaps in data, sometimes they're holding data they shouldn't really have. So I think it's just, a lot of this is about maturity of the organizations you're auditing and the organization, at, and you only turn an audit service. I'd love to be able to use more technology. No, I really would, but we have to be mindful of the organizations we're serving and we can try and take them with us, but that's always a slight uphill task, but a challenge we should be prepared to take absolutely. So I don't think either of us are wrong. I think we should probably at different stages in terms of maturity. Yeah, it depends on the maturity of the organization. So Chant, your
0: closing remarks. I completely agree with Dave, which isn't great for a, a duel, but I knew coming in that I was like, all right, I'll take the tech side, even though I don't agree with that 100% because obviously you have, you have to have the people and there's so much of what we talked about where it's the it depends on, you know, you have to almost start the answer with it depends on. Um, but a few things, tech is getting easier, like I was talking about. And so if there was some level of intimidation, which I feel like is where a lot of people don't even open something like Chat GPT because they go, AI, that's scary. I don't understand it. I'm never gonna understand it. I'm not a tech person, I'm not gonna do it. Um, the tools are getting easier and easier and easier. Analytics specifically, you don't even have to know how to code anymore. I mean, you just drag and drop, you know, from a very user-friendly interface, and it does most of the work for you. Um, the other thing I wanted to hit on as a, as a closing remark was because of the fear, I feel like, of AI, ChatGPT, et cetera. It was very timely, literally 20 minutes before we got on. Uh, for those that are interested in staying up to uh, date on AI and what's going on, there's a newsletter called Superhuman. So if you look for super, Superhuman newsletter, subscribe to it. And so today it said that an economist uh, at MIT, David O'Tour not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, said that from his study, 60% of jobs that existed in 2018 did not exist in 1940. And through his research, he discovered that jobs, the tech slash AI doesn't replace jobs, it displaces jobs. And which brings me to what Dave said when he said not every internal audit department's using data, let alone ChatGPT." GPT. ChatGPT is the easiest tool you might ever use. It is If you've ever Googled anything, instead of using that, use ChatGPT. Um, you should know also if you put it out th- Don't put any sensitive private data out there because it, it can be publicly available. Um, it's not um, safe to do that. So don't take your company's data and put it in there. But there will be a time where you'll be able to take your data, your company data, Literally, just copy and paste it, put it in there, and go. Give me insights about this data. I've done it with just some some fake data, just as a test, and it did it effectively. Did the analysis for me. And so, if I could make one recommendation, closing remark: If your company doesn't block Chat GPT, just sign up for an account and just start asking it questions. You can also search for uh, on Google or whatever um, prompt engineering if you're still not sure exactly how to use Chat GPT. That's a super way too technical term. Of course, we had to make it more complicated than it means, or that it is. all prompt engineering means is how to ask questions of chat and get better answers. And so that would be my, um, kind of my closing remarks or my, um, lasting call to action. If I could.
1: David, it's not a job replacement. It's a job displacement, like Chet mentioned.
2: Right. You know, again, it's not good for Joel. I agree, again, with, with Trent, that we've got to start using these tools. You know, I, I, We've started having discussions at work about chat GDP. You now, how we can use it to quickly, rather than brainstorming between two or three of us, chucking what's the key risk to around this particular area, and it'll come back with some really good stuff. You know, and I know you have to safeguard around it, you have to rails around it, but for me, auditors would never, ever accept information of face value anyway. So I'm hoping the best people actually to use that sort of um, that tool because they would always query what's coming up front of them. And there was another tool I saw in other day called perplexity, and that seems to be Google on heat, which basically comes back with all the sites it's taken the references from at the bottom of it. So you actually can go into the actual site itself directly from the text it's put together. Um, and then you, you can go to the source. So that's another, um, really interesting tool, but there's so many tools coming out that as auditors, we have got to be brave enough to look at how we can use them with guard in place and clearly our agreed trend, we, at this stage, we certainly can't upload our data, stuff like that, but we can use it for many things. And there was a report I saw the other day, and I've forgotten what it's called, but it was a, a team of auditors that actually used it to scope audits. They use it all the way through that audit process. And they roughly made about 65% efficiencies. So, you know, we're going to have to use our personalities, uh, our key attributes that I've talked about right, to help us embrace technology moving forward. Otherwise, we're gonna get left behind, is my opinion.
1: All right, there you go. Thank you so much both for participating in the duel. I think both great points, some agreement, some points of disagreement. But as usual, we'll let the audience decide. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, John. Thanks, Trent.